This is the Extra Innings Podcast. We're going to Extra Innings. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down all the latest with the blue. Hosted by Dodger insider and award-winning reporter. You have one for most entertaining talk show host to listen to while on the way to work. David Vassay. Episode 7 of the Extra Innings Podcast presented by Corona Extra. Thank you for downloading us again. You know where to find us, obviously, on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, or Spotify. Don't have much commentary today because we have our weekly guest, Andre Ethier, joining us here in just a couple of minutes. And also, we are going back on the farm with one of the Dodgers' top prospects that has a really good chance of contributing maybe in September for the team, and that is Michael Bush. That's right. Michael Bush is going to be part of Episode 7 of Extra Innings presented by Corona. He is off to a great start in Tulsa, and we are going to talk to one of the great Dodger prospects they have in their farm system right now. The Dodger farm system is not as deep as it was maybe a couple of years ago because those guys are now contributing on the big league side, but a new wave of prospects are getting ready to come up and help the Dodgers, including Michael Bush, Cody Hosey, Ryan Pepio, Nick Robertson, Bobby Miller, Cabert Ruiz, All those guys, the next wave probably will hit the major leagues this September and moving into next year. So I'm really excited to share Michael Bush with you instead of just looking at his picture on a website. So let's get started with the old man, the retired veteran, Andre Ethier, before we get to the young buck. My favorite. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to see you're not wearing khakis. Your favorite. And not everyone holds themselves to a high physical standard around here, but... Uh, Probably not Vasse's favorite. I know no one listens to your show, so... <laughs> <laughs> How so, dare you? Uh, just kidding. DV is joined by Andre Ethier. All right, our staple of every episode here on Extra Innings presented by Corona is our guy, Andre Ethier, who, you know, I poked the bear a little bit last week trying to get him to relive being ejected from a game in 2013. But, you know, he's trying to live a kinder, gentler life. And I'm going to try to not allow the Hulk to come out again. How you doing, Dre? Good. Hey, I'm just trying not to get ejected from... Uh, my house by all my kids and, and wife all the time. So, <laughs> like you said, I have to be a nicer, kinder, kinder guy now because of uh, the circumstances uh, in my household with you know all these kids, all the family. Like, yeah, if I keep escaping out to the pool house, like they like to say, uh, then I'm not being a part of what's going on. So it's a it's a it's a funny thing going. It's a funny dynamic going on in the household. Hey, being married myself, sometimes being uh, sent to the pool house or the guest house isn't so bad. Well, my pool house is actually just a dog house. So, uh, you know, me and the dog, me and the dog share it. So uh, I call it the pool house, though. I don't want to uh, get you in trouble too much, but uh, if you had to compare your wife to any major league umpire, is there anyone that she reminds you of? <laughs> I think it was, it was uh, our guy we were talking about last week. <laughs> 
That's awesome. That's awesome. You know who loved? Yeah, you, you know who loved? You give the her a bad look. <laughs> and she and she gets you out. Yeah, out, out. Oh man, yeah. She doesn't want you to give her the side eye, right? When she tells you to take no. out the trash. Nope. Even when you're walking away, <laughs> saying it under your breath, saying it under your breath, you're still you're still gonna be probably thrown out. So it's all right. Hey, you know who loved our episode last week and loved the story about being ejected from that game in Milwaukee? I'll give you three guesses who commented on social media several times about it. I couldn't even couldn't even begin to guess where. It was one of your former teammates that was on that team that day that you were ejected. Oh, uh, I... I'll just give I, you I don't even, I, I mean, Yeah, I mean, just give me the answer. On. I'm not, I'm not going to – I'm not – I mean, how many guys – there's probably 60, 70 guys on that roster that year. You're so old, man. You don't even remember what you did yesterday. I don't. I really don't. I'm sorry. Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp oh, loved okay. it. He actually reposted on his Instagram account, and he captioned the picture of you giving the stare down savage with three laughing faces, three laughing emojis. He loved it. I, I like it. Are you some guy? What is Matt? Well, Matt Kemp's trying to be an Olympian, right? That's right. He broke that on our show that he is going to be part of Team USA, playing for Mike Sosha, trying to get into the Olympics. Is he on the team, or does he have to try out to make the team? He said he's on it. Okay, I like it. I like it. They need a a veteran guy who's been around, seen a lot of different things, and can help. Probably. So is the team mostly being made up of? Minor league players? Right. Minor leaguers and veterans. Uh, Adam Jones also is going to be on Team USA with Matt Kemp. And part of the reason, Dre, is as you know, with uh, teams in the middle of their season, they're not going to give up their blue chip prospects. So you're probably not going to have your best pick of minor leaguers. So you need these guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe the Dodgers could lend a couple right now. Maybe give a different spark to this uh, team. Are you kidding me? The Dodgers need their own prospects. They can't be lending any out. They're thin as a yeah. as a piece of paper, as this piece of paper right here. That's how thin they are depth wise. But you know what? I like the some comments I saw. It's not this isn't a one week season, a one month season. It's over the course of a year. And like I stated previously, um, I still feel like this team's set up to have success. Um, it's just getting you know the right mix and the right players right out there. And I think we saw some refreshing news about uh, Cody breaking down or breaking news on his social media that he's starting to feel better and heading in the right direction. So, uh, you know, uh, that's good. And who knows, maybe Matt Kemp is going to be needed on this team if it gets any thinner. Hey, you never know. They might need that right-handed bat. Did you hear what Trevor Bauer had to say after that final game in Anaheim, the one that he pitched, the Dodgers lost. He said he's pissed and he came here to win. And I guess like people took that he was being selfish. I did not. I actually, I'm curious for your thoughts on it. I, I loved that he said that. And that's what fans yeah. want from their players. They want them to care. And I don't mean this any offense to, to Bauer, but I don't think he's been on very successful teams regularly. You know what I mean? I think he had a little run and. Cleveland a little bit there, and you that's know, it. That's about <laughs> that's it. You know, a short little stint in Cleveland. So he hasn't been on a successful team consistently. And for a guy who is now quote unquote the highest paid player in baseball, um, you know, the top free agents, 
and to you know and on a limited year contract too, just clearly state that he wants to be to win and he's here to win and be successful. A hometown guy from you know from L.A. Uh, and that's his goal. I mean, yeah, I don't take any offense. I don't rub. I don't think that rubs anyone the wrong way. If I was in that locker room, that would not rub me the wrong way at uh, one bit. Um, showing the frustration, and now I'm pretty sure there's a lot of guys in that locker room that are frustrated. Um, but you know, I, I think with Bauer, we've seen he's not afraid to speak up or talk about any subject or anything. Um, but why can't he voice his opinion on, you know, the way this team's been playing just because he wasn't here in the past or you know he's new to the team? I think that's a part of him accepting the role as being a. a leader being a guy who's trying to set the tone and bring that edge and yeah good for him for speaking up and saying that and i I think probably that frustration probably came with how well he pitched that game and ended up earning the l still yeah and and the night before when the dodgers had a 13 nothing lead and eventually won 14 to 11 clayton kershaw said after the game that you can't be complacent to think that it's just going to fix itself you have to change it right now have you ever heard those words? Have you ever felt those words before uh, when you played for the Dodgers? Oh, every day. Felt it every day. Uh, like I said, and I think we touched this last week. Like, right, this it's a whole nother now new generation of players. And a lot of these younger guys, and it's not their fault, it's nothing, but they came into an organization and a team and a minor league system that had these successes, that had these things built up, that had all these creature comforts, that had all this stuff, and rightfully so, you know, the – a uh, new ownership group, uh, Andrew and all his front office and all these people that they brought in to change the Dodgers for the better, you know, and I hate to rehash it, but when, when us, when me and Matt Kemp were in Vero Beach, a part of the Dodgers and stuff, you know, it was the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It was sitting on the field, on the backfields at Vero Beach, putting in the time, uh, you know, down there living in Dodger town, you know, going through those things. And, uh, you know, things have changed. And, you know, these newer players maybe haven't felt where, uh, you know, some of those uh, struggles of turning this organization around came from. And it's not their fault. It's not saying they're missing anything. It's just saying Clayton's been there. Kenley's been there uh, a long time and have seen what it's taken to get this team and turn it, this organization into what it is, is being a perennial winner, being somewhat, you know, a team that's expected to win. And, like you said, you, I think even Bauer said, you, we're just not going to go out there and throw our gloves and ball and bats out on the field and, and win games. Teams want to beat this team. It's a pride thing to beat the Dodgers on May 1st, 2nd, 3rd, you know, throughout the whole year. It's a pride thing for those other teams take to beat this team constantly. And uh, that game right there, same thing. I, I was guilty myself as being a fan and being, a, uh, you know, I saw the score and stopped paying attention. And then all of a sudden I see it come through on my, uh, update on my phone. And I'm like, well, how did it end up to be that score yeah. all of a sudden, you know, like this big comeback. So yeah, I think you have to have that hunger. You have to have that. Every time we got to press the issue, we got to have that edge. We got to have that urgency to keep winning uh, and finish all nine innings or whatever it takes to win that game and not take our foot off the pedal um, until it's done. And it's uh, a thing that I think, Bauer was trying to say, and then of course Kirsch said the night before. 
Hey, Dre, something kind of depressed me during that Angels series when I saw a photo of three Dodgers, Chris Taylor, DJ Peters, and Gavin Lux in the dugout staring at an iPad. And we always hear athletes talking about be present, be in the moment. How can you be present and in the moment while the relief pitcher is warming up on the mound and you're looking at an iPad of a video of him? Why wouldn't you go on the top railing and not only understand the situation, but also get a look with your own two eyes while the guy's warming up? Was I overreacting? Am I kind of uh, am I becoming too emo when I get depressed seeing that? But that kind of bummed me out well, seeing that picture. Well, maybe some of your depression came on by the five and fifteen record or whatever it was that's been happening. That, yeah, and it's a little bit more emo about that, but. Uh, to de- first to defend him, yes, that uh, hey, I was guilty as anyone. When all this stuff started first coming in, um, you know, I kind of scoffed, you know, I don't need it. And then I started approaching, you know, and using it the way that I thought and, and, and it started benefiting me. I learned how to benefit me. And I was guilty as those guys sitting on the bench staring at that that uh, iPad watching. And what the, the biggest difference that gives you from being – on the top row and seeing it is I like to see the pitch from behind, either where it's behind home plate or behind the pitcher and be able to see how the, how his delivery is, where he's stepping in what direction, the way the ball's coming out of his hand and, and you know, and the angles come to home plate. Other than that. Um, yeah. I mean, some of these guys aren't familiar enough with some of these pitchers, but Hey, get up there, time them up with your eyes out, out on, you know, up on the, on the, top rail, get a chance to see these guys live and what he's doing that night. If there's still some reoccurring things, you know, pop over to the thing and see it. Um, you know, it's just, it's the, it's like the thing that the older generation, the newer generation are kind of having the disagreement with how can we use this? How can, you know, when does it inhibit what we're actually going out there and doing? Um, I think it's just a, a thing where um, I like to see guys staying present, like you said, and, and, and locking in to what's going on at the moment. Um, that guy might be different from what you've seen on the video that night. Um, so, yeah, I, I saw the photo, like, same as you. I kind of laughed and chuckled about it because, um, you know, you got a game going out in the field and you got three guys all lined up on the bench staring at iPads as something's going on. You wouldn't know if they're watching – uh, you know, the pitcher or playing video games on it, but, uh, you know, kind of kind of comical seeing that. But there's a time and place where that really does come beneficial, uh, you know, for those players in those moments. And um, it didn't appear to be beneficial for them, uh, the outcome of those games, obviously. What would you do when you were struggling? I was suggesting maybe taking a step back from so much information and just knowing your strike zone and, see ball hit ball I, I know it's easy for me to say uh being up in the press box but I'm just curious from a guy that's been there before that has struggled before how did you find your way out of it yeah I think there's there's a lot of different ways that are different you know sometimes you're going through mental struggles of you know just seeing the ball maybe being confident and and your approach to actual physical things where there's like little timing to where you're holding your hands, where you're, you know, your your setup, your stance have gotten a little off. So there's a lot of different things that can help. You know, sometimes with those stance, 
and holding your hands. It's going and watching video and seeing what might be different right now than when things were going well a couple of weeks ago and kind of trying to get your hands and, and timing back into that same rhythm. And then if it's just actual, like a mental thing, it's just going out and working things in the cage and getting back confident. But, you know, everyone's different. There's guys who are cerebral who can go out there and uh, just kind of make corrections, uh, you know, on their own, you know, kind of seeing themselves from an outward uh, looking in uh, perspective and, and make adjustments that way. And then some guys need, you know, the five camera setup around the batting cage and the iPads out to be able to really hone in what the difference is. Um, you know, that stuff, like you said, that iPad's great because it's a great tool to use to always have a start and stop place for yourself, for that pitcher to use off it. Um, but like you stated, I think you stated it perfect, David, staying present is when you go stand in that batter's box, it does not matter about all that stuff you're bat- you know, you've worked on before the game of the cage or you've worked on in the video room. It's you and that pitcher. And it's you get in there and figure out a way to whether you're going good. You, you know, you don't really have to figure out a lot. Just stuff happens when your things are going bad. You need to figure out a way to get in the batter's box, compete and try to figure out how to make that, you know, whatever task it is and, and handle that task, uh, you know, the best you can. So um, I think sometimes going back to full go for a circle, relying too much on some of that technology stuff is sometimes just a little bit too much of a crutch. Uh, that us as players, you know, and those current players can use rather than just going out there and still competing. All right, Dre, that is awesome insight from a guy that did it at a very high level for a long time in the same uniform. And uh, that really means a lot and validates a lot of what people have been saying and thinking. And when you say that, it certainly validates people like me who never did it at that level. So appreciate it. And that's where I get my opinions from people like you and, you know, you guys have done it, and you've done it in good times and bad times, and that's where I—that's how I form my opinions. I take something from every one of you, and it just seems to make common sense. You know, it just yeah, too and, much and that's, is not that, great. And, that's, and right, and that's and that's the thing I hate the most about the old school way of baseball is, you know, the old school way of baseball. It was one way, and that was the only way, and. Now there's different ways and players have different things that can push their buttons and make them work and do that stuff. And that's fine. And that's great. Whatever you can get to make each individual player be the most successful to help that team win is what the end all goal is. Um, But at the same time, sometimes you got to grab someone by the shoulders and give them a little shake and be like, Hey, this might not be the answer or wake up, get out of this little funk, get out of this little stoop. Let's try something different. Let's just not get in the same, you know, pattern of I'm not happy success i'm gonna fall back and go do this and it doesn't mean video it doesn't mean hitting in the cage it doesn't mean standing on your head let's you know there's a different thing that everyone always falls back into the pattern usually of you know when things get tough they fall back into this pattern the same thing with success you get success you do the same thing and you fall in that path but like i like how the dodgers have gotten a lot of different opinions a lot of different people who add different stuff and there's a lot of different things now these guys can go in and get different perspective and different angles of, you know, what each coach, especially the hitting side, there's three different guys there, and each one of them have a different kind of key thing that they might be looking and approaching on what can make you good and and bad at the moment. Hey, if they need a shoulder shake, Andre Ethier is always available, that's for sure. For sure, yeah, always always available. (laughs) 
thanks, Trey. Another great episode. And next week, we will dive into the Dodger-Giants rivalry because next Friday night, the Dodgers and Giants will be taking, uh, will face each other for the first time this season. So we'll have to dive into that. I know it's a bad word, but we will have to yeah, talk yeah. about Dodgers-Giants. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to have to put more money in the jar in the house here. So uh, <laughs> I won't say that, that, that bad word. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks. There he goes. Andre Ethier, the staple of the podcast, every episode. And we'll talk to him next week. So thanks a lot to Andre Ethier. And now we got a young buck coming up. This is Dodgers Pipeline. Scouting, the player development, the drafting. A look at the major minor league stories. All right, we are joined right now by one of the Dodgers' top prospects in their minor leagues. He was their first-round pick back in 2019, and he is from Minnesota and is off to a great start with the Tulsa Drillers. That is the one and only Michael Bush. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, what a well-spoken guy. Wow, you really are put together. No wonder the Dodgers like you. No, I'd like to think so, but. Yeah, uh, yeah well, you're, are you, uh, do you pride yourself in being a high baseball IQ type of guy? You know what? I just, I do pride myself in that and knowing the game, knowing the situations, because at the end of the day, that's, you know what? That's that's what it takes to win. Sometimes, um, you know, not just the the talent alone, but you know, you, you got to have some baseball IQ and stuff. But I think that comes with just being around the game for so long, being around such good players. Um, you know what? I've been humbled by being able to play with some some really good players throughout my career that I've learned a ton from, and even the past couple of years with the Dodgers, especially. Yeah, who have you learned from with the Dodgers? Being in the organization, having some time at the alternate site, who would you say you've learned the most from? Um, you know what? It's it's a handful of guys and coaches. Um, they bring back they bring back some big leaguer, Placido Polanco. You know, just a couple of the name, and then wow. You know, we have speaking to the alternate site. You know, going there, being fortunate enough to be able to get in. You know, quite a few at bats there be able to face our pitching who you know every every day we were out there facing some some super good arms you know jojo gray michael grove pepio uh, all those guys it was it was very challenging and it was it was tough at times but you know i think it i think it made me a better player um and just continuing to you know, compete against our guys i think was a big step for me personally yeah, I was curious about that, Michael. Not having a minor league season last year and then just having that alternate site as your season, do you felt like that helped your development? Did it hurt your development, or was it neutral? Um, yeah, that's that's a question that I'm, I'm not sure if I'll ever know just because we didn't have the season. But um, the Dodgers did. You know what? They, they put together a, a good you know, couple months for us, and I think a lot of us took away some good things. Um, it, it felt it didn't feel quite like a, a full season itself, um, just because we were playing against each other and there were some live at bats and um, you know just just those sorts of things. But like I said, we were we were able to face some of the best pitching, some of the best arms um, in the country, and I think all of us, um, not just me alone, but I think all of us as hitters and pitchers, we all we all benefit from that for sure. 
You know, Pepio was my first minor league guest on this podcast, right? So Pepio has a, a very special place in my heart. So I'm wondering how you did <laughs> against Ryan Pepio. I, I, I tell you what, I, I did not do very well. Um, he is, he's, he has great stuff and he, he always will, but he gets on the mound and he, he has that, you know, he has that strut. He has that confidence in him that, that pitchers are always looking for. And I think, I think that just takes him to the next level. Um, Cause everybody in pro ball has good stuff, but you know, to be a complete pitcher, you kind of have to have that confidence and that, that strut that he has. And I think that makes him one of the all around best pitchers in minor leagues. I like that. You got to have some swag on the mound, right? Bush, when you're facing a guy with some swag, you know you're in for a fight. Absolutely. For sure. Michael Bush is he our. He has all of that. <laughs> Even though he's from Butler, he's got some swag. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Michael Bush is our guest. He is playing for the Dodgers double-A farm team, Tulsa, the Tulsa Drillers, and they are in Arkansas as we are having this conversation on Episode 7 of Extra Innings presented by Corona. Now, Michael, uh, you mentioned facing your own teammates last year at the alternate site. You're into this season now, about a week in. What's it like facing players and pitchers from other organizations? Do you feel like this is a challenge you need before you take maybe the next step to the major leagues? Um, yeah, it's just taking it day by day. Um, you know, whatever pitchers on the mound, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to get hits off of them, get on base, score runs against them. And I think that's the beautiful part about baseball is just, Everybody in our organization, I think we miss that competing factor about it. Um, you know what? There's standings now. There's there's a race that we're going to have to try and clinch in the division, which I look. I think we're all looking forward to. Um, but I think there's that just competing factor that for the last year and a half that none of us have been exposed to, you know, to this extent. So I think we're all just excited to get back out there and keep competing against against other guys, hey, other teams. I'm curious about talking to a young player like yourself who is already established as a really good minor league player. There's been a lot of talk about the way the game is played today, especially uh, in the minor leagues and once you get up to the big leagues as far as the three true outcomes. And I'm just curious from your standpoint how you view strikeouts. I know nobody wants to strike out. Nobody's trying to strike out. The pitchers are really good as well. But do you – do you accept strikeouts in your game if you're able to hit 30 home runs or drive in 100 runs? How do you view all of that as a player? Um, I mean, do I accept strikeouts? I mean, I, to some extent, I think we have to, just because that's a part of the game. Um, these pitchers that we're facing, the pitchers that we have, they're they're all really good. Um, there's a lot of guys throwing in the mid nineties have really good stuff. So a strikeouts are going to happen to anybody. Um, you know what? Do I like, I don't like them. I, I would rather much put the ball in play. Um, Cause I think I know I know baseball is a uh, baseball is a, is a game where I, I think it is turning more toward, you know, the extra base hits. Um, but I, I don't know. I like to compete. I don't like to give away an at bat, you know, just, being okay with the strikeout and trying to, you know, drive a ball into the gap or drive it over the fence. I would rather put the ball in play, force the defense to, to make a play. Or, you know, what if it's a, a shift beater down the left field line that 
could get me on base to lead off an inning or or anything like that. Um, I would like to say that I, I don't enjoy strikeouts, but to some extent, strikeouts are going to happen. And to try and filter that as quick as you can, I think, is a, is a big thing for players, especially hitters, filtering those strikeouts um, and trying not to you know, bring that into your next at-bats or the rest of the at-bats that day. That's really refreshing to hear. You talk about beating the shift, situational hitting. Uh, have you always been that player, and do the Dodgers encourage you to be that type of player? Because so many times now in the game, you see players being rewarded for the slug and, and the walks, but not really situational hitting. I think being in big league camp this year and being able to watch um, – our guys up there on the big league team do it. You know what? They, they compete every at bat. They're, they're taking balls and they're swinging at strikes. Um, and it's, it's not every, every time you're, you're going to swing at balls. You're going to, you know, take strikes, but I think they do it more consistent than anybody in the league just because they focus on it more. They, you know, they pride themselves in having good at bats and not just going up there and, you know, trying to hit a long ball and being okay with the strikeout or, um, you know, missing, quite a few pitches that they're looking to compete with the pitcher. They're trying to have a good at bat, trying to get on base. Um, And like Justin Turner has said quite a few times, he he loves to pass the baton to the next guy um, and not try and do it all yourself. That's awesome to hear. And now you know what the standard is when you do get to the Dodgers, right? Absolutely. And they're, yeah, they, they do it as best as everybody. And that's why I think, you know, they're the best team in the league and that's, there's a reason for that. Michael, they pride themselves in the little things and not just the, the long ball. Michael Bush is our guest. All right, Michael, I want to give some uh, people a background on you. You're not just a robot, a stat sheet, a website picture that we see here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. You're actually a living, breathing person okay. that plays baseball. And I know family is a big thing to you. You're one of eight mm-hmm. children. Is that right? One of eight. Yes, sir. How did you get lost? Do you get lost in the shuffle? Yeah, do you get lost in the shuffle? (laughs) I think we all do quite a few times. Um, You know what? There's, it's fun though. I I love it. They're they're all so supportive of me, and just we're also so supportive of each other um, and everything that we do. Um, And you know what? We uh, we all have a great relationship. Um, We talk quite a few times. You know what? A week, a month. So. Um, it's definitely, you know, something that's probably the most important part of my life. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. Being, uh, even though I get lost in the cards, <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Even though you're, you're one of the top baseball prospects in America, I'm sure nobody cares in the family, right? Especially your brothers and sisters. Sometimes it doesn't seem like that, but that's, a, that's, that's the way I want it. I'll tell you that. That's exactly. the way I want it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, was baseball kind of like your thing in the family? Are you the only baseball player? Because I know you played football and hockey in high school. Uh, was baseball your thing, or is there any any baseball passion in the family? So my oldest brother, he played. He, played, he was a good baseball player. He played through high school, um, didn't play after high school. Um, he's also a really good soccer and hockey player. And then my next oldest brother, um, he played baseball at North Dakota state university for three years. Um, he was a really good player there. So baseball and my dad grew up, um, playing baseball. 
Um, had a huge passion for baseball, watching the Minnesota Twins, you know, growing up my whole life. So, um, yeah, he, he just grew up loving baseball. And you know what? He never pushed us to we have to play baseball. But I think we all grew up loving baseball and just loving sports and competing alone. You're a young cat, so if you're growing up watching the Twins, I'm thinking uh, Tory Hunter, maybe your favorite player, those yeah. Twins teams. Tory Hunter, Joe Maurer, yeah. Justin Morneau, Johan Santana. Those were great teams. watching all those guys. I yeah, was, they, I, they did have some really good teams, fun to watch. I was covering the uh, 2002 ALCS when Adam Kennedy hit those three home runs against the Twins. Did that rock your world? <laughs> 2002 yeah i'm not sure were you born then i'm not sure i remember <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. i think i was i was probably four at that time yeah like so, geez come on <laughs> uh, it's tough for me to remember what i had for breakfast yesterday so going oh. back 22 years or 18 years hey i saw that you played time. you played uh quarterback uh, in high school, what type of quarterback were you? Were you an option quarterback? Were you a pocket passer? What type of quarterback were you? We ran, we ran triple option. Um, so I, I threw the ball probably like seven to 15 times a game, 15 on the higher end. Probably only happened a few times, but yeah, we ran triple option. We ended up my junior year. We had a really good team. We ended up going to the state championship game. Um, Held our own there, ended up losing, but we had a really good team, really good group of guys who grew up together playing not only football but baseball and hockey. So that was that was definitely a fun experience that I had to have with, do, with those guys. Do you throw the football around before games? Do you got a football with you on every road trip? I, I don't have one, but we do. I'll throw it every now and then. Um, I, th- I think I would be a better passer if I were to be playing now than I would have back then. I picked up football in like seventh grade. I was a fullback linebacker. I didn't start playing quarterback till my sophomore year. Um, so I, I was really, I was really new to it. I didn't really know defenses or anything. I just kind of, you know, flipped the ball if somebody was running at me and ran it if the field was open. That was just kind of how simple <laughs> the game of football came. Just tuck it and but run. I didn't really get. Yes, exactly. And sometimes it worked. Sometimes it did it. <laughs> but I, I usually tossed it to the athletes that we had on the outside, and they they usually were pretty good with it. That's awesome. <laughs> oh man, we were smaller too. It was my offensive line. They were they were small, and they were they were big. They they worked super hard, and I think that's why we we were able to do so well. But they were smaller, um, so we were we were probably more athletic than everybody else, but. You know what? Some of the bigger teams, they kind of gave us some troubles, but I think that's why we had to run the option. We couldn't just sit there and block and give me a ton of time in the pocket. Yeah, if you had some time, you'd be able to pick apart and go through your progressions like Tom Brady. <laughs> never. I, I never was able to do that. Not <laughs> not because I didn't have time, just because I, I didn't know really what I was doing with the defenses or, or you know, standing in the pocket. And that's when you tuck it and run. You're like, hey, I don't know what I'm seeing. I'm tucking and running. It wasn't even a three-step drop. It was like one, (laughs) two, okay, I got to (laughs) go. And I would just try and find some open field. That is awesome. (laughs) You're my type of quarterback. I like that. (laughs) Well, not many people say that. (laughs) Well, Usually I'm – 
I'm only a few guys as quarterbacks. The other ones, they want they want passers. They want guys who can throw it downfield 35 times a game. That's true. Your receivers are probably still not in touch with you. They're they're probably not even Facebook friends with you. Your receivers. <laughs> no, you're you're probably right. You know, I did have a couple good passes, and I think those those couple passes will be remembered from them alone, just because it was. It was the only few times that they ever caught one from me. So the, you remember those was, distinctly was, because uh, those were those were the very far and few between. Yes, exactly. Yes. All right, man. But hey, I'll take. You'll take it, right? Absolutely. Um, I want to talk to you about North Carolina. Do you have time? Absolutely. So, sure. what? Uh, when you played college at North Carolina, where where do the baseball players rank as far as uh, seniority on campus with the basketball team being number one, the football team, I guess, getting more popular? Uh, I mean, the uniforms were sweet in Carolina for baseball. So where where do you guys rank? You know what? We're, we're up there. We're definitely not basketball. Or, I mean, football is even tough to beat. But we're up there. It's got a good – we got a good culture around the baseball team. But our speaking of other sports, our field hockey team just won a third consecutive national championship Whoa. a few days ago. That's a big Amazing. sport they back went, there, right? Yeah, my sophomore year they went undefeated and won it. My junior year they went undefeated and won it. And then this year they lost one game. And they ended up winning the national championship in overtime. I got to be honest with you. Field LA. hockey is not that big of a sport out here in L.A., but rug, um, rugby and lacrosse are becoming bigger. Lacrosse especially. Really? Yeah, lacrosse is yeah. becoming a big high school sport out here. Yeah, our lacrosse team our lacrosse team at North Carolina, um, my freshman year, both of men's and women's won it. Um, I think they're both doing pretty well this year. I think they're still in season. But we – it, it's hard to rank. Uh, it's hard to rank at North Carolina. Everybody's good. Everybody's, you know, solid. Our golf team, um, softball. Everybody. Everybody's competing every year, and it's 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 fun. Would people come like, to your uh, games? Would people college. come to baseball games out there? Oh yeah, yeah. We would get we would get some good fans, especially against like some big ACC opponents: Florida State, Duke, NC State, uh, Miami. Um, weekend series against them, we would get some good fans. Um, and then we, all three years I was there, we hosted regional. Um, those were always packed. Um, my sophomore year, we hosted a super regional. Those were packed. My junior year, we hosted a super regional. And, yeah, those were packed too. Probably like 5,500, 6,000 fans. Wow. That is that is a pretty big crowd for baseball out there. Corey Seegers from North Carolina. You know about the Seegers oh, yeah. out there? Are they a popular family out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Corey, yeah. Kyle Seeger, I mean, he played in North Carolina back when they went to North, when, went to the College World Series, like, every year. Um, so, yeah, the Seegers, I mean, Coach Fox there, he, he kind of grew up with um, the Seegers. He, his first couple years of college baseball were when Seeger came in. So, knew of the Seagers before I entered pro ball for sure. Yeah, uh, did you? Like, I really got to know him. 
Did you let Corey know about uh, who's the king of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, when you uh, got to big league camp this spring? (laughs) I I did not. I I should, though. (laughs) I should tell him it's his brother. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. His brother hit a home run the first game at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, how about that? Hey, uh, Michael, Michael, I was going to ask you, uh, did you have a chance to go see any – college basketball games at North Carolina did you does baseball get carte blanche for a Roy Williams North Carolina basketball game you know it does I shouldn't say it but it does (laughs) no I was you don't have to wait in the student line you just walk right in exactly my freshman year I went to a bunch um I was fortunate enough to go to the Duke UNC game in Chapel Hill that was a blast um and then in 17, our basketball team won the national championship, so that was fun. And then, yeah, 18, I went to a bunch of games, too. Ended up going to the Duke UNT again. And then junior year, went to just really the, just the big ones. But it was Carolina basketball games. If you ever get down there, have to have to try and get to one of those. There's something special down there. Yeah, that's on my bucket list. Yeah, it should be on everybody's. It's a great, it's a great time, great atmosphere, um, great players. Um, respect to Roy Williams for hanging it up. Great career there, thirty plus years. But I think they're in good hands with the new head coach there. All right, who is it? Hubert Davis, new head coach. Hubert Davis. Yep. Yeah, he's a yep. he's a Carolina guy. Oh yeah, he's been there for quite a bit of time too. I met him a couple times. Um, I doesn't remember me, but. Um, it was at a little convention we had at his house. He was a extremely good guy. Um, I think they're in a good hands for sure. All right, I like it. Hubert Davis endorsed by North Carolina alum Michael Bush. There's the stamp of approval he needed right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot for taking the time out. My uh, my reputation precedes me with Pepio, Cody Hosey. We've uh, had interviews together, so tell the boys I say hello in Arkansas where Tulsa is right now, and I can't wait to see you play at Dodger Stadium, Michael. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when, and uh, it's really great to share you and your personality with Dodger fans and have this type of conversation with you because, like I told the other guys on your team, we just see your picture and your stats on a website we don't ever get to know the person before they get here. So this is really great. And uh, Pepio, let Pepio know you're giving him a run for his money. You might you might be knocking Pepio out as my number one Tulsa driller. Oh, no. 1A, 1B, all right? You, you, that's exactly. I appreciate it. That's Thank the you tri- so much. That's the trifecta. Hosey, Pepio, and Bush on the David Vassay list of Tulsa drillers right there. That's awesome. We got to get a couple more. Hey, De- don't tell Devin Mann. He might get jealous. Devin Mann might get jealous because he <laughs> follows me on Twitter, so he might be begging for my attention these days. And tell him I will give it to him yes. one of these days. Hey, he deserves it. Yeah, he deserves it. That guy rakes. <laughs> he rakes. All right, Michael, you're the man. I, I can't wait to see you at Dodger Stadium. Man. Stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Will do. You have a good one. How great was Michael Bush? How about that? I am a huge fan of Michael Bush. He's a good baseball player, and now 
you've heard how great of a young man he is. So I think the Michael Bush Marching Chowder Society is starting with me starting today on this episode seven of Extra Innings Podcast. As we do every episode, we close out the show by giving you the stat of the week. Thanks to our producer engineer at Dodger Stadium, Dwayne McDonald. The note is not available today, so I will relay the stat of the week, not sabermetric stat of the week. The ERA from Dodger starters this season is 297 as we tape episode 7, which is tied for third best in Major League Baseball. Their starters haven't finished the season with an ERA below 3 since 1985 when it was 271. Part of those starters were Oral Hershiser, Fernando Valenzuela, Bob Welch, Rick Honeycutt, and Jerry Royce. So pretty good staff in 85 that lost to the Cardinals thanks to Jack Clark and Tom Needenfuer in the 85 NLCS. I mean, every time I see 1985, I think about that. And I also think about the Lakers beating the Celtics for the first time ever in the history of that rivalry. So good and bad for 85, no doubt about it. No team in Major League Baseball has seen their starters finish with an ERA under three since the 2016 World Champion Cubs, who finished with an ERA of 296 as a starting staff. So how about that? Dwayne McDonald really delivering. And, you know, this Dodger rotation, I'm telling you, one through four may be the best I've seen in the last eight years. Sure, they've had Kershaw and Granke. They've had Kershaw and America's pitcher, Rich Hill and Walker Bueller. But one through four, and it could have been one through five with Dustin May. Unfortunately, he had successful Tommy John surgery, but his season is over. And, you know, Tony Gonsolin eventually is going to take that fifth spot in the rotation. So this may turn out to be the best one through five since 1985, and that says a lot. So that's our stat of the week. Thank you to Andre Ethier, who joins us every episode, and also thank you to Michael Bush, one of the Dodgers' top prospects, and I'm sure one of the top young men in their organization as well. So thank you to those guys, and thank you for listening. In case you missed any of the Extra Innings podcast, you can always find it on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, or Spotify. So thanks for tuning in and downloading, and we will talk to you next week. See ya! We don't have to do anything extra. They've made a choice. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast. Extra Dodger content for Dodger fans who can't get enough of the blue. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss a single Dodger game at AM570LA Sports on the iHeartRadio app.